0: hi everyone welcome to another episode of my podcast Uh, we have very special guest today joining all the way from sofia bulgaria we have jamie mcdonald joining the podcast hi jamie
1: hey how you doing guys hello great to be here
0: yeah how are you doing this morning
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm waking up, you know, I've walked the dog, I've made some pancakes and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the
0: day. Right. So Jamie, how, how is the how is the situation over there? Like, you know, with the lockdowns and everything, is, is everything getting better? Um,
1: it's definitely better than a lot of places. Um, there's, uh, I mean, there's gigs happening slowly. The bars are open and venues are open, but they're at lower capacity. So there is life and that's, that's the main thing. I mean, that's really what we want, isn't it? Some kind of life. So in that respect, it's doing very well. They were quite quick to act here. I think mm. unlike um unlike a you know, a lot of countries that you thought might have been quicker weren't so quick. Um, for instance, back in Ireland where I'm from hasn't done so well. And they're still struggling with lockdowns and they don't have any live music. So it makes me very glad I'm not there.
0: Right so so yeah so you're originally from ireland right so Uh, yeah yeah i I, I actually visited Ireland. i i went to dublin in 2016 and i really loved that city
1: excellent excellent yeah it's it's a great city um it's tough to live in but it's great to visit it's Mm. very expensive i'm sure you noticed that it is very expensive and same when you live there it doesn't really get much cheaper
0: um
1: but it is a fabulous place to visit and all the better if you have millions it must be amazing to live there you know but uh, right. I don't so I don't live there
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really love that there were like you know a lot of cultural places museums and it's it's basically like an art place right it's art and music it's
1: yeah I mean it's it's a very uh unique history you know it, it's been separate to Europe mm. in most of its time in the past hundred years it didn't we weren't involved in the in the world wars, like to a minor degree in the First World War, but as a nation itself, we weren't. So it, it means we've had a very different history and we've been able to focus more on culture, especially in the 1920s when Ireland became independent. It um, There was a real rev, uh, renaissance of art and culture and a real focus on Irish culture, firstly, but obviously you can't just say, OK, we're only going to do this much art. It just spreads. You know, when right. you create that environment. So um, it definitely has a lot of culture happening and a lot of um, potential to create artists and to spread out around the world. And of course, I mean, the, the other factor being that we speak English. Right. It, it really helps our culture to spread. So we're very lucky in, in that respect, if you call it lucky based on history. But, you know, it's one of the, the, the few good sides we could say of, of, a, of a bad history would be i mean if we didn't speak english we'd be like iceland i assume a right. small nation out there in the atlantic who produce loads of culture but icelandic culture isn't as quick to spread because of language essentially
0: yeah right yeah <clears throat> so yeah. J- jamie tell me a little bit about your childhood and like what's your like earliest uh, memory of music
1: oh wow um i i think uh i have these memories of parties in, in my my house when I was a kid, I was very young. But being in bed and being upstairs and hearing laughter and guitars being played and songs being sung downstairs, and that strange glow that you know when you—I don't know if you remember—but when you're a kid, the the light from downstairs or from like outside your bedroom has always got a, a warmer glow, more magic to it. So I yeah. remember that kind of like creeping down the stairs to have a look and see if I could see into what was happening. Um. And so there's great memories in my my family. Whenever they get together, there's music. And that was a massive influence because it just, it's only when I left Ireland and left my immediate surroundings that I realized that's not normal, you know, or it's not the average experience. So for me, music was very much a part of life, which is fantastic.
0: Right. So do you remember like what sort of music you listen at home?
1: Um, yeah, sure well i I uh, there's a bunch of different things that really struck me as a kid. One of them was Beethoven, which I know sounds funny, but I really enjoyed Beethoven as a kid, um for some reason. It's just the drama, I suppose, and the you know the power of his music. Um, my dad played guitar, and he played an awful lot of Leonard Cohn, mm. so I didn't really realize there were Leonard Cohn songs until much later in life. I just knew them from my dad. Um, Then he played a lot of folk music, Irish traditional ballads and songs. And again, I didn't really get the sense of where they came from, but my family were singing them and I was hearing them. So my exposure to music happened very naturally. You know, it wasn't like you have to hear this, you have to listen to that. This is good, this is bad. It was just music that was part of life. So um, yeah, and of course the Beatles came along and then... My brother, I've got an older brother and an older sister, but he's six years older. So when I was about 10 or 11, he went to university and he brought back a lot of music to me that really influenced me. And he uh, bought me my first guitar and he really helped me along the path. So they were kind of all my early, earliest music, you know, um, the Beatles and Led Zeppelin then came back when he went to college. That came back to me and just countless other bands.
0: Right. So at, at what point did did you uh sort of say to yourself, okay, I want to pursue music? Um
1: I, I I think I I knew it, but I didn't have the words <laughs> when I was younger, you know. And I, yeah. I didn't because I because we were from a small town, so there wasn't many people who were taking such a path, you know, in a small industrial town south of Dublin. It it wasn't really the thing. There was cover bands but to pursue original music. So it was in my head, but uh, it just kept chipping away. And I found over time, when I was about 21, 22, there was nothing else I was doing with any passion. You know, I had jobs, but I had no career. Hmm. Um, I'd been to university. I didn't take to it. That wasn't me. Um, And so it became the thing that, you know, one day I looked around, I realized the one thing I'm always doing is music. And around that time I moved to London and that kind of opened up the door of a lot more gigs and I found people to play with and bands and it changed how I felt about the music I made because I had other people getting on board and believing in it. And then we got to tour around England a lot, around the whole country, not just London, which was, you know, a a massive experience. It really, um, again, just gave me faith in music Mm. and it kind of went like that. and. I, again, was back and forth between ideas and what to do. And I guess when I was 24, 25, I, again, was kind of working part-time and I just decided to quit everything and just focus on music at that point. Um, I realized that if I didn't do it, I would forever regret not trying to. And I'd always have the what if in my head. And so at that point, I I quit everything and I basically uh, grabbed a guitar and a small bag and I started to busk play on the streets around Ireland. And and that was a way to, you know, focus completely on music. So I had a period of years where I was playing every single day for anywhere between, you know, six to 16 hours a day, you know, on the streets to, to, to live. So I had no other choice, which is deliberate. You know, I figured if I can't make enough money to eat, I probably shouldn't be doing this, you know. Right. <laughs> and, it, but it was amazing because I met so many musicians, so many artists, street artists and people, and it just gave me that faith in music that if I lean into the music, it will catch me
0: Right, yeah, so, so it was a yeah so when when you took that sort of decision, okay, you you know you quit your job and you want to mm-hmm. pursue this, was it scary that first couple of days? You know, going through that. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, people would ask me what I'm doing, and I kind of go, I don't know. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know what to do next. You know, it was literally arrive in a different city in a hostel and be like, okay, I know I have enough money for a hostel for like whatever amount of nights, but I better go and start making money. And I better, that means I have to go make music because I also want to eat. I don't want to just stay in a hostel for four days. And, you know, people would tell me I'm crazy and I would say, you might be right. But I knew in the back of my head, if I didn't do it, I would go crazy. So everything they said and even the fears, they started to disappear very quickly. And I very, very quickly met people who were on the same or similar paths because I had decided to be on that path. Mm. Um, I met a wonderful girl. Um Miriam Filion, she's from Canada Very random, she was staying in the same hostel as I was on, In those first days uh, And we'd kind of acknowledged each other in the, in the breakfast room of the hostel But that day I was walking down the street And she walked towards me And she just started a conversation As if we'd always known each other And she was just this wonderful out there personality And through her I met somebody else And she's now like a jazz singer in New York She's like doing amazing and she was a dancer then. She wasn't even singing, but she started to sing with us. Through her, I met Bobby, who I ended up in a band with for many years. And we played around Ireland. And we lived in Denmark. And he still lives there. And so it just became this thing of meeting people who were, who didn't make me feel like an outsider. Because that was their world. And it was mine. And that took away the fears. It just felt like, oh, this is, this is, this is so doable. Because it went from me being the only person doing it, to me being in a bunch of people who were all doing which was <laughs> obviously wonderful
0: right yeah one thing that i i also do when i do a lot of traveling before the pandemic i used to travel for gigs all all mm-hmm. over and one yeah. thing that i always do when i go to gigs is i like i stay in hostels because the it's it's different from staying in a hotel and staying in a hostel it's yeah. just it's such an intimate experience because you you meet people like like-minded people and sometimes I meet the people Definitely. who who are going to the same gig as me and then we'll hang yeah. out and so it's 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 such a great way right and and it, of course cheap oh, yeah. way as well
1: <laughs> yeah well yeah it's well it, it's cheap but it's it's worth it and, you know it's kind of the experience is so much better in the hostel um and I I discovered you know when playing around Europe and and that I would often meet the same people because the same kind of people would stay in the same kind of hostels. So like right. I'd be in Zagreb and then the next day I'd be in, you know, Skopje and I'd be like, oh, hey, Dave, how you doing? Nice to see you again. And you just <laughs> constantly meet people. And I thought, again, it's an affirmation of, yeah, you're in the right place with the right people. And and it's just really, really, um, yeah, it, it's a great way to travel. Right.
0: So, so from basking and then, uh, when did you like, got into recording your songs?
1: Um, well, I started, let's see. I I did some stuff very early on, but it never really took and I didn't take to, it. you know, I had some people who invited me to studios and I did a bit of recording and it was when I was like 19, 20, 21, but I really didn't know what I was doing. So it didn't take. Then I think the first thing I did that I, I still like refer to would be Uh, sketches for some Grander Palace which is an older album which I recorded in the Canaries and that was after a period of six months or so where I'd been playing in the bars there and um, making good money I just thought well I've written all these songs let's do something so I just recorded that there in a local studio and that planted the seed and then later I had a home studio and I recorded Josephine there I recorded a few other things in the home studio which again was great and and further experience you know um and it, it kind of put the idea of creativity in the studio into my head how can I do this and add something or do things differently and I started to explore that side of it um and that all fed back into you know working with other people which is something I love to do you know I've been producing other bands and other artists and helping them along the way and it kind of just gathered momentum as I went along, and now it's something I just love to do. I've kind of always recording at this point.
0: Right. So you mentioned you you performed in Ireland, you performed in England, London, and then in Denmark. Yeah. And then yeah. what? What other like? What are the other memorable places that you perform?
1: Oh, oh, endless. Um, I, I've been very, very lucky, I guess. Um, for instance, like the first time I was in Paris. Um, I was walking around with my girlfriend at the time and we went to uh, um, Montmartre up to Sacre Caire, the big white domed church over. And there was a bunch of people sitting there playing and we were just listening. And for some reason the guy asked me, do I want to play? He just noticed I was singing along. And so I ended up playing this amazing gig where I was kind of stood up the top of the steps and people were all down on the steps below listening up. But in front of me, it was like the whole of Paris. You know, and it was just this amazing, wow. You know, uh, yeah. it was like something from a movie. You really couldn't, you know, it doesn't look right, but it actually happened. Um, that that was one, like, mind-blowing, to have that whole vista of Paris in front of me. Um, another one of my, well, oh, there's just so many, but definitely this one was, for me, a big cultural thing. Um, growing up in Ireland... Uh, I don't know if you you probably noticed there there's not many other religions it's a very catholic christian country
0: right
1: so for me it was when only when I started to travel I started to you know see other religions so when I was invited to Macedonia to play I had the great honor of being the first person from that festival to play in the the old city right in front of the mosque and it was Mm. absolutely incredible so like they they had wanted you know they want the city to be more unified so the the elders of the mosque could ask could they put a gig on there right in front of the mosque and i i got asked to do it and so like i was there and it was just so alien for me because i, I wasn't used to this environment at all except from tv but all these elders of the mosque sitting down drinking their strong tea mm. and you know and it was just incredible it was like one of those how did this happen you know, <laughs> where, where, where is music bringing me? I, I don't know, but I love it. But it's so different, you know. Um, that was definitely a big cultural change, which is great—a great a great education.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 such a different uh experience when you visit like mosques, temples, and stuff like churches. Like it's there there yeah. inherently there's something special about those buildings, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it's it's all people's hopes and dreams are poured into them, you know, no matter what you believe on the other side. The reality is people go there with their lives, with their worries, their cares, with their hopes, their passions. So it doesn't matter what, you know, I have no idea. Just to clarify, I don't know the big answer. (laughs) I have no idea what's out there, but there is something about people bringing that. They, They bring their things there. Maybe that's why they're special. That energy that people bring to those buildings. Um, and so it was just an incredible honor to do that and um, it, it was funny I remember thinking it was only at that point that I realized how many songs have the word God in it you know just in passing and it's like a common cultural thing everywhere and you're like right. is this okay is this okay you know and like, okay just just do it stop thinking and just do it you know um but fantastic experience um of course there's been so many gigs and so many moments that that were like key, like changes in my brain, in my life, and how I felt about music and also life in general. Um, I, I'll give you one last one. I, I do remember it was in Brussels, in a lovely little blues bar. Have you been in Brussels?
0: No, no, I haven't.
1: No, uh, if you ever go, there's a lovely blues bar called Le Bison, like the Bison Buffalo. Right. Um, I remember being there, and uh, it was kind of an open mic night thing. And I started to play some of my own songs and the crowd just really took to it. And it was a certain point in the night where like the crowd were all singing my words and dancing around and I just thought this is it. This is what I want to be doing all the time because it's such an amazing feeling. These words that you've worked at in your own mind and you've laboured over and you wanted to share but actually the crowd is sharing back and you realise it's become so much bigger than you and it's not about you at all. But that was just a you know a memory of pure magic of people letting loose and being set loose by something I had worked at Mm. you know it was such a wow okay so this can be so much bigger this can be and and I mean that not in a fame sense not at all but in a sense of the connection you create between people and the the chance to be part of that I mean I I I talk about it now and I, I think like the singer or the you know the artist is like a spark very small a spark does nothing you know you can spark a lighter all day but the audience is like gas and when they come together you get something big but otherwise i'm just a spark and that's you know not very exciting let's be honest you start something but it becomes this glorious amazing flame and i think that, that that was definitely a moment for me of wow
0: i mean you you can think for yourself oh i'm writing the greatest song a uh, greater song, but un- until you actually perform it to a crowd and you get that response back, that's where it actually gets validated, right? <laughs> well, that's where
1: you, you realise, yeah, I like. The, the, I write some songs and I'm like, people love this, but it's not always a song that I love.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> just, you know, and vice versa, I'm like, oh, I love this song and people don't react and they're like, oh, it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But that's OK, but, you know, it, it happens. It happens in every part of life. You know, you're like, oh, I found a great bar. Let's go there eh, it's OK. Oh, or I cooked a meal last night It was amazing. I don't like cabbage. Oh, OK. But it, it, it's good, you know, I, I like that. I like that aspect of it. And it, it kind of encourages me to keep writing because it's worth it for, for myself to write those songs and then for those songs that spark those moments in people.
0: Right. So, Jamie, how did you end up in Sofia, Bulgaria?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the easy question. huh? Uh, all right. all right. <laughs> so I was in the west of Ireland in a city called Galway. I don't know if you visited when you were there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very much a cultural city and there's a lot of street uh, performers there. And I met a guy from Detroit based out of Florida who was a street performer. And his name was Todd Various, still one of my best friends to this day. You know, I talk to him regularly and we've known each other years now. And um, we used to discuss a lot of things like he had. He was an escape artist, street performer, magician, all kinds of very different than what I was doing. But we would discuss the finer points of what we were doing, the art of it, the ideas behind it. You know, what works, what doesn't. And we became very close. And he invited me to a festival in Macedonia which it, it kind of, I, you had to be invited into it. You know, I got into it because he recommended me to the, the, um, the management of the festival. And I went back to that festival a few years in a row. The last time I went there, we basically toured all over the Balkans with the festival. So we went, you know, Bosnia, Croatia, all over basically. And, you know, we touched on every country except Bulgaria. Mm. So after a summer of playing around the Balkans, I came back to Skopje in Macedonia, and I said to a friend of mine, Julio, I said, uh, "How far away is Bulgaria?" I was like, "I haven't been there," and he's like, "Oh, it's about four hours on a bus." And I thought, I guess I better go then. <laughs> you know, it's it's just one last place to see. And the idea originally was to keep going and go to Turkey, but I never I never did go to Turkey, and it's, it's kind of a running joke here. People still ask me, when are you off to Turkey? Uh, <laughs> ten years later. Uh, yeah, any day now. Um, and when I walked down the main street of, of Sofia, I had that very unique experience of feeling like I'm somewhere very alien because the, the alphabet, the Cyrillic alphabet, is everywhere, which you'd be used to from Russian more than Bulgarian, but it comes from Bulgaria. Right. And so it had that, but then the shops and things felt very Western. So I felt very alien, but quite at home. And that mixture kind of making me feel safe, but adventurous. I think that really appealed to me. And again, I got very lucky very quickly. I met some fantastic people in, on all fronts who showed me around the city, who introduced me to, you know, the venues and the art scene, and just people who were, became really good friends. So it, it just snowballed so quickly. And then it was like, oh, okay. And I, I think that was about uh, September... I left. I'd made an album in Croatia. I came back, and I kind of just stayed. After that, I stayed through the long winter, which is the winter here is get pretty cold. So if you make it through a winter, then then you're good, you know.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I actually first. I mean, I I know about I I knew the country Bulgaria, but the 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 city Sofia. I actually got to know from this uh, this album. I don't know if oh, you yeah? can see. If you yeah, can yeah, see, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, is, I can. yeah this, is, this is the Big Four Metallica Slayer and yeah, Big Four yeah, yeah, they yeah. performed. That's a very famous album from yeah, Sofia, yeah. Bulgaria, right?
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, there's a big, a big metal scene, a big hardcore scene here. Um, there's a lot of, and, and classic rock as well. It's a big thing. So what I do is kind of uh, out on its own here, but, you know, I don't mind. I, I like that too. I'm kind of happy to be doing something else right but there is a big a a big tradition of music here in bulgaria um and quite similar to you know when you go to uh, india and other places there's a lot of complex rhythms and different time signatures which for me is a massive challenge but again i really like that and i'm i've been slowly trying to incorporate that more into what i do in a in a studied but natural way you know so i'm trying to use it without it being a pastiche of of Bulgarian music
0: right I noticed that uh, from some of the posters and stuff that, that, uh, that's posted by you it, it yeah. goes as Jamie MacDonald and the number name
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: so what the, is number name
1: oh well this is it is the band um, when I came here I started a band with, with two guys and we were trying to find a name because my name is quite common So it's obviously, it's hard to to be found sometimes when you're Jamie MacDonald. There's a lot of people, at least in Scotland, England, Ireland, and in America, which is a lot of people. So I knew I had to put something with it. But I also wanted people to think of me um, not just as a singer-songwriter. I wanted them to come and see a band gig and experience that and experience more. Um, I've often wondered... um, yeah, big comparison, bear with me. But but for instance, not saying I am this this big, but no, um if you think of David Bowie, no one ever says singer songwriter.
0: Right.
1: Why? Because he's he's done something different,
0: yeah. right?
1: Yeah. He's crossed some line, but but it's a stranger. And so like I, I didn't want to be seen as the um, you know, solo guy. Even if I do solo gigs, I'd wanted that to be part of the bigger thing Um, and so having a band and I try and kind of put it across there it helps for branding but it also puts people's this idea into people's head that there's more than just me Um, and then so I I started it the number nine with those two guys um, Ivan and Georgi. and then over time I started to pick people up from playing around the world so like when I went to Holland I'd play with someone there so Peter would play with me there when I was in Spain I'd play with Rodri and then now it's kind of if i want to do some recording or if i want to play in a certain country i'll call these guys so the band has become this very very widespread thing that exists but not as a conventional band
0: right but yeah. It's funny. yeah so yeah. so so if i see a gig on this city and if i see you again in another city the the band is different and it sounds different <laughs> ex-
1: ex- yeah exactly like for instance I, it was really nice when we made the album um Maladies of Country and Soul. I made that back in Ireland. It was like the only like full studio al- album I've made in Ireland, so it was kind of a life dream thing. I should do this, but when we recorded it, Rodri came from Spain. Uh, when we did the tour with it, um, Ivan came from Bulgaria, so I also had the drummer from Ireland and the guitarist from Virginia in the States. So oh, yeah. I had like a very international version of the number nine on stage which is amazing so it's a complete mixture but it was drawing on people from everywhere and right. that's uh, that's how it works now it's, it's crazy but i really i really really enjoy that aspect because it brings new energy to each recording and each gig and each you know tour
0: yeah yeah i, I, I one thing that i really enjoyed when i went to dublin is i i visited the temples i think it's called temple street studios uh where yeah, there's yeah. a rock and roll museum, and and then there's a studio, I think yeah. that's that's where the there were like Cranberries recorded albums there, right? So
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I yeah. once I came back from Dublin, I had a, such a, I, I I mean I fell in love with the Irish bands. Uh, I mean, of course, YouTube, Cranberries, The Scrape, The Snow Patrol. There's so many, right? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, and it, again, it's, it goes back to that thing that we're steeped in culture, but we have the the, the English language. So we're very lucky in that we can sell it. I mean, sell in the connect to people way as opposed, of course, the other way too, but I really mean connect to people on a much wider basis um, because of the English language. So you have that, you know, amazing sense of poetry and culture and art. In fact, does this school uh, in in Ireland and it's produced something like three or four Nobel Prize winners, one school. Right. I'm like, that's crazy for poetry and, and the and the arts. You're like, that, that just does not make sense in terms of, uh, you know, Ireland is barely 6 million people. Uh, here we are batting way above our average, you know, across the globe. But somehow we pull it off, you know. Yeah.
0: And uh, w- one more thing I really loved about the city is that, it, especially like Dublin, I don't see any skyscrapers. It's just like, you know, I, I, maybe it's a two-story building. That's it. And then it's like you would see all these uh, event posters and stuff on the road, like different places. It's like, you know, yeah. those vintage type. I, mm-hmm. I took so much photos of that. I There was so many <laughs> events happening when I was there. It's like I, I was over, you know, it's,
1: it's yeah. so amazing. It, it is. It's, it's great. Like there's always things happening everywhere um and, and you know there's a lot of sense of the culture is coming from the ground upwards uh i think it goes wrong in a lot of countries they try to create it from the top down and it just it doesn't happen that way you know it has to be this organic coming up thing and they can support it governments can support it but if you try and steer it it falls apart very quickly
0: mm.
1: and i think in ireland at least at least prior to COVID, now it's it's really been badly affected, unfortunately. Um, I don't know how what's going to happen in the future because it's still musicians are out of work and can't perform, can't play. Uh, venues have suffered, many have closed down. But at least prior to that, it's it very much uh, musicians would get together and create a scene. And every generation would have a new bunch of musicians who'd get together, create the next scene. Mm. And you'd still have the patronage of the older musicians which is really important it gives you a sense of, of uh, not so much hierarchy but a, a progression that right. it's possible to do the next thing you know I, if you name any of the big names or faces in Irish music that you know of chances are I've met them or know somebody who knows them and not because of, I'm famous but because I'm a musician
0: Right, and
1: it, it's just the nature of the scene it's just not that disconnected as other places maybe um even even some some, someone like you too i mean they're they're very much there in the city of dublin you see them walking down the street see them driving around there's no elite place for them to go they just do their own thing Mm. and that that makes it seem way more connected and way more real and also possible i think uh for the next generation you know they they meet a guy who's toured the world and it's like wow i could do that too because he's from down the road from me or you know he's from wherever somewhere small and it's it, it really creates a, a great sense of community
0: right yeah actually one of the last shows i saw uh, like prior to covid like uh that was december 2019 i saw you two actually they performed they came to asia and they had a show in manila so i was able to go and see them oh, uh, yeah <laughs> amazing.
1: i've seen them seen them a few times and uh I find it funny because it's like, I know that they're going to, you know, grab you and twist your emotions. And, and even though, you know, the trick, they do it anyway. yeah Right. <laughs> You're like, no, they're, it's almost like a grudge match. They're not going to get me this time. Oh, they got me, you know, they just, they have this amazing power. Um, but, but I, I also think that you two are quite unique in that they're a proper band. They are like by themselves. They, they would, wouldn't be that big. But those four guys together, they are all playing the best they can play. Not that they are the best musicians in the world, but every one of them is doing the best they can. And with most bands, I get the sense that it's two people and the others, or, you know, one person and the others. But with you two, you feel like every one of them is pushing themselves as much as they can to be the best they can. And, that, and that's a real band. I mean... It's only the truly great bands that we get to see that in. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Jamie, there was a I, I organized this gig and uh, I had this guy from Romania who who is a Bono Bono impersonator. So he <laughs> actually came and performed here with a local YouTube tribute band. And wow. this this guy looks really like Bono, and he's he tell he tell me that. Bono actually hires him for events, like when Bono can't go to some events, he actually hires this <laughs> guy to go.
1: <laughs> that's a nice gig. <laughs> yeah, that was uh,
0: a really nice gig.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wow,
0: that's a so, funny one. Yeah, so Jamie, I I uh I I checked out your music. So your latest latest release is VB Miracles. Can you tell me about yeah. that album?
1: Oh yeah. Um well, I mean, that, that was during the lockdown and it was uh, with a lot of my albums. I have a plan and then it just goes out the window because of reality. Yeah. And in this case, you know, it was I, I had planned to um, buy an electric guitar and just do a new album with electric, you know, and that didn't happen because of lockdown. So I was kind of like, OK. And so after a year or so of the lockdown, or at least, you know, what felt like a year, if not two years, um, I really wanted to do something. And I got talking to the guys that were involved. I- Ivan, the bass player, plays with me a lot. Um, and I'd done some gigs with the drummer before. I'd ne- I I did some recording with the, the uh, saxophone player, but we never did a whole album. And I just kind of said to them, look, here's the reality. I know you guys have no work and I got no money. Do you want to do something anyway? because we're doing nothing Mm. and they were all like yeah yeah we'd love to do anything I thought okay that's cool because you know I wish I could pay these guys a million pounds a day because they're they're really awesome but you know the truth is nobody had money so a guy I know then really wanted to record us Mikey and um it slowly came together and it's like okay we can do this we recorded in a, a venue I play in regularly Tom's Place a little Irish bar I just thought okay let's do it there something different it saves the cost of studio but it's got a really nice sound in the room uh and it's kind of cool to be connected with your friends in that way you know i've recorded something there in tom's place and we just went about in one day to record the band tracks and somehow it's all come together very well um i did another day then i did the acoustic the, the solo tracks just to add a few more tracks to the album and it really was a case of a couple of rehearsals and then on the day we played a couple of times and just saw what worked and somehow i think it it works as a, a a real life album you know i think it has a sense that it's not this overly polished studio thing which it couldn't be but i i like the sense that you feel the music in it
0: right right yeah uh, <clears throat> the 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 track that i really like I I actually I was listening to your album this album and a couple of other albums, a couple of, sure. of these days, right? So uh, if you wear there's a song called "If You Wear That Dress Tonight," which oh, yeah, yeah. which which is a very nice song. But what what really got me on that song is how many instruments are in that song? Because I I hear like flute, <laughs> percussion, saxophone, like it's like right. such a such a mix. <laughs>
1: I know and it and it's all illusion it, it it's it's because the drummer just played the percussion in it and it put plants in your head you feel like there's someone else in the room the, right. and then the, you know the way the instruments mix up and it just it's one of those things I think sometimes you just hit that magic spot where nobody actually knows what's going on in there but it works and it just all comes together and um <laughs> I, I I love the, the the flute on that because it for me it was uh, it's a, it's such a different instrument to use the Bulgarian Caval, It's called the traditional right. flute, right. and that was Sasha, the saxophone player, was playing that one. Um, but for me, the song itself would be, I think it would sound more Van Morris in like if it hadn't got that flute. So it right. kind of brought it in a different direction, and and I, I you know I, I try not to steer the band too much. Uh, I kind of wanted Sasha to go, uh, uh, you know, the sax player to to go wherever he wanted with it. So when he found that motif, it was like, oh, this is it. We found it. And it just really brought a whole new energy to that song.
0: Um,
1: Yeah. uh, I don't know if you've seen the video as well. Uh, We just released a video for it. Um, But it's, I kind of knew that it would, uh, the energy of the song was really going to carry
0: yeah so so when i when you told me earlier that you know you were you were trying to incorporate the influence of bulgaria so this is an yeah, example yeah. right for that oh, oh definitely
1: yeah yeah because it i mean in ireland we have traditional flute but i i didn't i i wanted to reference that maybe but i preferred letting sasho a bulgarian flute player do his thing you know i didn't i didn't tell him play like it's irish it's like i didn't even get into that conversation Right. I, I pretty much with musicians, my approach is play whatever you hear and feel. If I don't like it, I'm obviously going to tell you. Or if you're stuck for an idea, I have one, but I prefer the bass player to play bass, the drummer to play drums, the sax player to play saxophone. I just prefer that uh, widening, you know, the what they bring into it. I find it far more interesting because how I hear the music is all internal because I've written the song. Right. Uh, so I try to get out of the way and just go. Okay, do whatever you want. Let's see what happens. We can always change it later. But when we're rehearsing and learning the songs, I take that approach.
0: Yeah, Jamie, what I what I felt from your songs uh, is how do you write these lyrics? I mean, what's what's the process? Because it's it's such great. Uh, I mean, great songs. I'll, I'll I'll give you an example later. But how, what's the what's the process? of writing the songs?
1: Um, Well, a couple of years ago, I decided to write more songs. I decided to write more often. And one of the big things that unlocked was not to edit the song until it's finished. Not because I would often find myself writing a line and saying, that's a rubbish song. Mm. And in hindsight, of course it is. One line isn't a song, but you get this sense of fear. And I think this might be writer's block, which I don't get anymore because of this process. So I just write and I write and I write and I write, I write songs every week. I write maybe two, three, four songs every week. And some of them I might never use. Some of them I might use in four years time, but I've stopped that editing until the song is finished.
0: Mm.
1: And it's just freed me to write. And I like, If I write a bad song what I feel is a bad song, I never have to play it for anyone. But it's good to get it out of my head, right? Right. So the the process then is like, I might hear something, um, just casually said, I might overhear someone saying something on a bus or something, and I go, oh, that's interesting. And I might take it out of context. I don't, you know. But I think if I remember it over time, then there's a good chance somebody else will remember it. Yeah. If I don't remember it, hey, that's okay So uh, I also don't subscribe to that Oh, I wrote a great song last night But I fell asleep and forgot it Yeah, you didn't You didn't write a great song If you wrote a great song You would remember it after a few hours sleep, right? Right So all these things And I just take notes So when I'm like I I try to let life influence the songs Um. So like if you wear that dress tonight it was a really simple idea uh, about people I know and people I love and how I often look at them and think I wish they could be as amazing in their heads as I think they are in my head. So it was really a moment of seeing someone I know and thinking she's, she's a really special person. And uh, I hope she always fulfills that potential of being as amazing as I think they are. And I, so it just starts. So there is that kernel of, of, of truth for me in it, but then I let the song take its course. So there's always a truth for me I can come back to. It means I can sing the song again and again. But then the song, I try and let it write itself. I get out of the way
0: right.
1: and just write. And, you know, if I don't like it at the end, I can change it. But getting out of the way is a big thing. Not being afraid of it. When sometimes I write a line and I'm like, I don't know if I can sing that. And now, I say, shut up, sing it. <laughs> Before, I would have been like, oh, uh, uh, scared, scared, can't do it. And like, you know, scared, fear is, is no way to make art. No good art comes from that.
0: Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe like getting stuck on that line might block what is coming next as well, right? Like...
1: Exactly. And then you end up with no song. You end up with one line that's frustrating you. And that's, that's nothing. That's, hmm. you could fill a library full of notebooks, full of one lines of songs, right? But there's still no songs, so yeah. it, it's a lot of that. I, I think that's with time you realize that you just have to get out of the way. And there, there was so, something I saw in um, in Paris years ago. I went to Picasso's house, and the two things that struck me about uh, Picasso was there were some really really simple things he did. So, like he had this uh, bike saddle, just of a you know regular bicycle. And handlebars put on top of it. Uh, and it just, you look at it and you look and you see a bull. And it's nothing, but it was amazing. It was yeah. so simple, but it was everything. And I just thought, okay, simplicity is allowed. And that's something that you, you can get overcomplicated over time. You know, you want to write all these crazy jazz chords, which are great in the right place, but there's nothing wrong with writing four chords because Picasso yeah. has a bicycle with a handlebar on top. <laughs> I'm like, okay. so remember that, you know, that's important. (laughs) And then the other thing I saw there was multiple versions of the same work. So like he would do a painting in blue, but then he'd recreate it in red Mm. and in green. I was like, ah, so he's not genius. You know, I don't think there are many, if any genius now, having seen a a lot of those kind of uh, workshops of artists. I think there's people who work their asses off. Right, and the only way to do that is to work, which means for me, I have to write all the time. And right. so Picasso has a lot to do with that. There's other artists I love, but I just remember that in Picasso's house in Paris, the work he put in, and his—he had no fear of the simplicity either, despite his—I mean, I mean, amazingly complicated works like Guernica, etc. He has these moments of, oh, okay, that's that—that that, that pleases me, so I'm going to do it. Right. So that's yeah.
0: I mean, I think he did that for himself first,
1: right? (laughs) Yeah, and I really think you have to. Because if I don't get excited about it, there's no way I can get you excited about it, right? Right, right. You know, hey, man, this is an amazing song. Do you like it? Or, dude, I wrote the most amazing song. I don't care if you don't like it. I love it. There's a big difference, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. One thing, Jamie, that I... I, uh, Talking about Pablo Picasso, like, he... When you hear Pablo Picasso, you think that he's like a historical like person, but you actually have photographs of him, right? He's 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 not that that sort of old in a sense of history, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's such a a monument, but actually, he's he's a real man who was alive yeah. not long ago. Who's you know, whose life and legacy is very tangible and real. You know, <laughs> and there's a few of those. It's a uh, I also love Jackson Pollock. I I think he's just this mind-blowing idea to, you know. I don't know how he had that moment of, today I'm not going to use a brush. I'm just going to throw paint at that canvas. So you're like, what? (laughs) It sounds like crazy talk, right? It's like a five-year-old or something. But then one of my favorite pieces, and this, is by the way, goes back to the number nine question. One of my favorite paintings is uh, called Summertime by Jackson Pollock but it's Mm -hmm. also number nine in the subtext number nine so there's part of that because this painting I I, when I lived in London I I used to work near the Tate Modern uh the big gallery I don't know if you've been in London but the big big art gallery and this painting was on display there while I was there and I would just go and like on a lunch break and just sit there and and just sit there with the painting you know and it just had this amazing effect like there's so many things happening but yet there's a story you can read different parts of it and it's quite long it's quite a a long painting so you kind of look across it and for me it was this joyous moment of celebration of summer but it also looked like jazz it was like visual jazz for me because a lot of the lines they they look random but they're not but they also work so well together and I thought Mm. that's that's music in its freest form but in a painting. Which is right. just amazingly beautiful, and amazingly expressive, and really, really, uh, yeah, it still blows my mind. His work.
0: Right. <clears throat> so, Jamie, one of the songs that uh, from VB Miracles is it yeah. has this line, uh, which, which I really, I listened to this song a couple of times. Uh, the 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 line says, "Give a little more, take a little less." Oh yeah. Do you remember yeah, what song yeah. is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 was, it, it was the last song that I did for the album. Um, and it kind of, that part of the song came last. You know, it's the last part in the song, but it, it was organic. Uh, I knew I wanted to make something kind of jazzy and kind of hard to grasp. So there is a few little chords there that I wouldn't normally use. But then it's just, Nice moment of release at the end of the song. A very simple idea, and I think it's like, uh, you know, we get very complicated in our heads with every situation, but there's usually a very, very simple idea. Mm. You know, something we know, but you just go back to that, and you know, give a little more and take a little less. Like we don't need much, but what we have to spare can go a long way. Right. Also, like, we just, we just do not need that much at all. If we're honest about it, right? Uh, On all fronts. I mean, it's something as basic as food. We always have more food than we need. At least the majority of us. While some people, if you give them half the food you have, that's more food than they've had that week.
0: Right.
1: So we can all afford to, you know, to give them a little more and take a little less. But there's also, you know, just in our approach to people outside of the physical. What can I give? To you, what can I give to the world? I don't need to take that much, but by actually giving, maybe I can do more. Um, It's, uh, as I said before, like Leonard Cohen was a big figure. His songs in my childhood, as I grew older, I came to, you know, investigate the man and and his, you know, his way of life more. But for him, he often talked about being of service. Mm -hmm. And. You know, it's such, he would call it such a high calling to be of service to people. And there's ways we can all do. It. I mean, like you're doing it right now. Honestly, you're serving the music in what you're doing with your podcasts. It's incredible. It gives a platform and it, it doesn't cost you a lot, I'm sure, like as in emotionally, physically to do this, right? Yeah. But you give so much more by doing it because you're spreading music, you're spreading, you know, you're giving people affirmation. And so he talked about service. And I think it's a very big thing when we can all, when we stop trying to be self serving, it frees us to actually create more, be more creative. And the influence it has on the world is like probably infinite. You know, if you're good, you're good to one person, maybe they're good to two people, so on and so forth. And this sense of service, I think I might have got lucky in that simple line in that song to bring it back mm. to something so easy to remember, but they are all the things behind it. And what it means to me is to keep it simple and remember that, you know, um, we can do so much. We don't need so much stuff. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's the same thing that I realized also when I heard that lines that it it can be related to like consumption and environment sense. And then the other yeah, one is, yeah. With regards to relationships, where you can give little more attention or more love, and then expect yeah, little yeah, less, you know, it's like,
1: yeah, and it's it's something you know I think we all need to be reminded of. I know I do. Uh, you know, as an artist, you spend a lot of time in your head, but you need to you need to live to be an artist. But it's a weird a weird contradiction. You know, you have to be very present in the moment to be an artist. But there's a lot of stuff going on here, so you kind of have to let this stuff flow through you and not get caught up in it, right? While being in the moment, and trying to be real with people, and trying to stay living instead of stuck in your head.
0: Right. So, so Jamie, what's uh, what's going to happen the rest of the year? Tell me a little bit about what you're planning and what. Well. Going to happen. Um. At the moment, uh, uh,
1: the band keep asking me about gigs, about possibly doing (laughs) tours, but I just don't know. I mean, who knows, right? Uh, I'd love to. Uh, I don't know if you saw, like, there's a lot of radio play happening, thanks to Catherine around the world and stuff, and I'd love to capitalise on it. Mm. I just don't know if it's possible. Uh, But music keeps going on. So at the moment, uh, even later today, I'll I'll go to the studio and I'm working on a, a new album, the next one um it will take longer because it's a studio album but that that's going to be a lot of the year we will be taken up with that and i'm hoping later in the year if tours are possible even if it's solo tour i can get out and get around europe again because it's been too long and just play some gigs in different places and connect with more people so in a way it's business as usual (laughs) thankfully uh i'm very excited about like about the next album But I always am To be honest The, the Weavy Miracles I, It almost fulfilled Its name You know uh, I, I can't believe How far it's gone Given that It almost didn't happen With lockdown and everything For this album It's like The first album Where I decided To play all electric on Which was the album I wanted to make Before lockdown So I'm going back to that And so I'm playing A lot of electric And I'm practicing that And it's Just opening up New ideas for me mm-hmm. Um. And I'm excited about that. It's a whole new uh, palette to to paint with.
0: Yeah. I, I actually saw some of the posts, like your songs are getting played in Australia and South Africa Crazy, right? and all these different places.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, man. It's, uh, it's just mind-blowing because, you know, uh, making the album was such a gamble. And I just, there was a certain point when we were mixing it because it was recorded live. It was tricky to mix it. And I just wasn't happy with it. And then I had to kind of stand back from it all. But I was literally at the point of maybe I just won't release this and I'll go back and do a studio album. And then like people I played it for, they were like, this is amazing. Especially that song, you liked it. If you wear that dress tonight. uh, People were like, that energy is amazing. You need to. And I'm like, really? Oh, okay. All right, let's do this. And so in the space of a day, a friend of mine just turned me around and I went, okay, pressing the button. We're releasing it. We're doing it. It's happening. Um and so that was just like amazing that that happened and now to move on to the next album wow Like it's, it's incredible the album's gone so far I'm hoping that the doors it's opened I can capitalize on with the next album too right that's
0: yeah. great yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. Jamie what's your message to the viewers of this podcast and also people who support you listen to your music
1: <laughs> oh you know I, I was thinking about this, you know, what could I, I say to people in general, but um, a big thing for me at the moment, uh, and you might have noticed, I'm always pushing Bandcamp for people. And the reason I do it is because it's real money for real artists. So what I would say is support people like yourself, support podcasts who are helping spread the word, helping get music out there and sharing it. But also when you see an artist, if you find that you stream something more than five times, go out and buy it, you know, Mm. help support them. Because let's be honest, streaming is never going to support people, at least not with the laws the way it is now. But when you go to Bandcamp and similar platforms, like for me, Bandcamp is the one. There are similar, so it's not just a singular endorsement or anything. Uh, But when people buy that thing from the artist, it makes such a difference. That personal connection to actually buy the music and get behind it, it's... um, it makes it possible for more music to be made and more art to be made so if i have to say anything i think just keep doing that all those people out there who are supporting the arts and music it really it's an amazing way to help communicate and help other people communicate
0: right so jamie anybody you want to shout out to
1: oh everyone let's say hello to the whole world what do you reckon (laughs) (laughs) let's forget nobody Everybody, even the people who aren't behaving correctly right now, or maybe especially them, we're watching you behave better. The rest of you, you're doing an awesome job. We be miracles, man. Don't forget it. We be miracles, right?
0: Yeah, and, and give a little more, take a little less, right? That's
1: it, right? It's very simple, isn't it? Yeah. If we all did that, what a world we could have, huh?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, Jamie, thanks for joining this. Uh, I Thank really appreciate it. Been-
1: yeah it's been wonderful we we should do it again sometime right
0: yeah of course we should do it again uh, when you have new music uh and hopefully oh, you can hopefully if if you if you were able to go to like australia maybe you can drop by you know singapore or somewhere
1: yeah man to you know, do, do you know uh, funnily enough when i was uh prior to the lockdown i was meant to go to singapore for saint patrick's day right uh yeah, and of course that didn't happen. The lockdown start, started on the 13th of March. St. Patrick's Day was the 17th, so I was almost there, almost <laughs> that that close, man. So maybe we can do that again when things are whatever they will be, right?
0: Right. Okay. So lastly, Jamie, tell everyone so yeah. uh, how they can listen to your music and how they can follow you.
1: Sure, you can follow me on Facebook, Man from Carlo. Or just look for Jamie MacDonald and the number nine, nine, N-E-I-N. And my music, you can find it on Bandcamp, as I mentioned. All the albums are available there for download. And drop me a line if you do want physical copies. I can produce those too. Not a problem. And, um, yeah, Bandcamp is the main one for me. Uh, also, you find me on Instagram, MC Music. I'm there as well. Uh, Just anytime, drop me a line on Facebook. I'll be happy to chat about music and help anyone who wants to talk about it and share it and do whatever we want with music. Right?
0: Right. So, Jamie, thanks for joining. Uh, Have a great day. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you
1: very much. You too. Talk to you soon, my man. Take care.